Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Matt Jarba. Welcome to Dueling Sabers Podcast. Uh, this is an idea that I've had for quite some time, actually. I just decided to finally put it together tonight. Uh, this being the uh, the first weekend of August uh, 2018, I thought, what a good time to start something new. As if I don't have enough of my plate as it is, uh, why not spend a little bit of time and discuss Star Wars? Discuss what's going on, right? I talk about it a lot in videos on this channel, and oftentimes I feel that I'm coming at it from like a super negative space, right? I'm always coming at it from this be critical of everything, which there's nothing wrong with that ultimately. But when I reflect upon where I stand in regards to this particular fandom, uh, I, I realize that I would rather spend my time, I'd rather spend my energy, uh, the year and a half we have till episode nine, uh, talking about the good fun stuff with Star Wars. And look, the thing is this podcast, while there's a lot going on in this episode, may not always have a lot that's going to be happening week to week, because I honest to God don't know. Uh, but part of what I want to cover here, a fair amount of it at least, is going to end up being what's happening in the community, uh, whether or not there are outlets that are attempting to attack Star Wars fans for simply being critical of something. Uh, disseminating that information, breaking all of it down, but then still looking at what I do view as being good if some stuff comes up, uh, and then also coming at it from that perspective. It's going to be a very weird, <laughs> weird line to, to, to kind of walk, which is actually the basis of the title, Dueling Sabers. Um, I, I look at the idea, the, 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 you know, the iconography of, of the fights, of, of the lightsaber battles. It's always good versus evil, right? Light versus dark. And I feel in this particular case, it's kind of a warring of fandoms, right? You have some people calling themselves the fandom menace and uh, their approach to it is to be hypercritical of everything going on in Star Wars because they want Star Wars to be great again. They don't like the direction things are going and that's entirely fine. That's up to them. Then you've got another group of people out there that are very much on board with the way things are going, like Kathleen Kennedy, like the job that she's doing and everything else like this. Uh, and they're perfectly on, they're on board with everything. Now, I'm in the middle. <laughs> I'm legitimately in the middle of all of this. I want there to be good Star Wars movies. I want there to be good Star Wars stories. I want there to be a lot that goes on. But at the same time, you can't deny that there are things that are happening that are not good. And so that's kind of the whole point. The purpose of this is to kind of have those discussions, have those conversations. And with any luck, as the series progresses, uh, as we start posting new episodes on Sunday, um, we'll be able to maybe get people in. I want to have uh, the back half of every episode uh, be a call-in show. So if you want to call in, the Discord link is in the video description. Just go to the green room, and then when the time comes, I'll start pulling people in one by one, and we can have these discussions. Talk about whatever you want to talk about, good, bad, or the other, in regards to this thing that we all very much love. Uh, but in the meantime, I, I have actually found a selection of around like six uh, different stories of, as to what's going on uh, in, uh, in, in regards to, uh, to Star Wars. And I want to start off tonight by talking about the, uh, the Disney streaming service. Now, the Disney streaming service, Disney Direct as it's called, ran into a bit of a snafu this week. It ran into a, pr a pretty decent sized snafu uh, because, you know, they're getting ready to launch this next year. They, they just got the shareholder rights. Uh, or the shareholders voted to to basically go ahead with the acquisition of 20th Century Fox's entertainment assets. But it still boils down to one key factor. Will they be able to get their hands on the rights to the original trilogy in terms of television and streaming? And no. 
No, they're not. No, they're not able to. According to this article here on IndieWire, uh, Star Wars won't be on Disney's streaming service until 2024. Uh, it says here that the force isn't strong with this one. We've known that for quite some time. But now Disney uh, but Disney is no longer content to let Netflix stream its movies and will be launching an unnamed streaming service for its own to compete. And well, no, it's called Disney Direct. That's just as it is. Uh, now, it says here, as noted by Bloomberg, for instance, Disney unsuccessfully attempted to require the TV rights to Star Wars from Turner Broadcasting, and it won't be oh, episodes one through six won't be available until 2024. Now, the thing is that's six years away from now, and that that's got to hurt. That's that's got to really hurt Disney. Uh, they were banking on this being a thing. They were banking on this being being something they could bring to the streaming service as just another aspect of Star Wars in order to to uh, to use uh, as a way to sell this to you, which you already know people are going to buy it anyway. Because it's not it's not just Disney. Uh, it's not just Star Wars. It's going to be all the Marvel, all the Disney stuff. It's like there's a lot of incentive to jump down this particular rabbit hole. But when it comes to the Star Wars fan base as a whole, yeah, they're going to they're going to want to want them on there, right? They're going they're going to definitely want them on there but uh, apparently uh 20 uh 2024 man that's a long ways away that's a, that's a long ways away now it says here turner whose ma main cable networks are tbs and tnt can exclusively air the three main trilogies uh and standalone entries on the small screen and online for another six years or I should say the, the, the two main trilogies and standalone films, I guess. Uh, the company would want financial considerations and programming to replace the lost films. Uh, but the talks haven't advanced further, according to Bloomberg News. So basically, they want, like, it's a quid pro quo situation. Like, what do you got that you can give us that's going to end up being uh, good? What, what, what can you what can you give us? What can you give? What, what kind of payment can you toss out to us that's going to end up making us want to work with you? Uh, and so far, Disney is kind of like, shit, shit, what do we got? What do they got? I mean, really, TBS and TNT, you know, they, they run, they, they license a lot of programs. They license a lot of movies. Uh, but according to the article here, they paid about two hundred and seventy five million dollars to the rights to Star Wars in twenty sixteen, which was before Disney finished plans for its own streaming service uh, at. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's they've they've definitely uh, they, they paid a pretty penny. They, they, they paid a pretty ass penny for this. Now, I'm kind of uh, wondering if Disney is going to end up finding a way to combat it. Right. If they're going to find a way to argue uh, or just break contract and go look we'll pay you back the 275 million they look they just they're, they're forking out 71.3 billion dollars for this acquisition of these entertainment assets <laughs> what's what's look what's another 275 300 million but they should be able to offer tbs and tnt something right something uh but at the same time this is star wars so whatever it is that that they're going to want to use, they're not going to be able to use. They're not going to be able uh, to give them anything else unless it's like Pixar films or something. But that's going to be a main draw to this Disney direct streaming service. So my question ultimately boils down to uh, what's Disney going to do? Are they going to pay out the money for financial considerations? Are they, are, you know, is TBS and TNT going to play hardball because they've literally got Disney backed into a corner, backed over a barrel? And I believe the answer to that is yes. Because if I recall correctly, aren't TBS and TNT, aren't they a Time Warner company? Uh, isn't that owned by AT&T? And uh, isn't uh, AT&T getting kind of 
hosed by the Trump administration, the DOG are trying to step in to block that particular uh, that, that particular uh, acquisition or no, they're part of the same. They're going to be part of the same company. Uh, so and, and, and who knows, maybe they want to maybe they want to play a little a little game of themselves. Uh, now, what I wouldn't be surprised at if it were me wanting to get Star Wars back, if it, if it were me and I'm kind of an asshole like this, I would sit there and I would basically say, like, uh, I'd hire some PIs to go and I'd dig into some, some Turner executives and be like, find me something I can use. I'm, I'm obviously joking on that one. But it almost feels like Iger is all like, this is the last, this is kind of the last thing. You know, I mean, they took the $275 million in 2016, which makes very little sense to me in regards to the amount of money that Star Wars, I mean, $275 million for for the first six films feels like a paltry number considering the fact that in 2015 they grossed two billion off of the force awakens and they grossed over 1 billion 1.1 i think 1.15 or something or 1.05 i think for rogue one so i mean 275 million doesn't seem like a lot of money to me it does not seem like a lot of money at all but uh, at the same time who knows turner can walk away from this with a pretty good amount of money so if it all of a sudden changes if it all of a sudden becomes something a little bit different if it all of a sudden becomes uh you know this deal kind of opens itself up and it's a good manageable number for disney you know someone somewhere has got some dirt and you know someone somewhere is leveraging it like a motherfucker and honestly i don't i don't blame them. this is star wars we're talking about here people gonna die <laughs> but let's talk about uh, Donnie Yen from Rogue One. Now, in this new interview here uh, over on Gizmodo, uh, well, it was reported on Gizmodo, but it says here that Donnie Yen has some insight into why Star Wars doesn't do well in China. Now, ultimately, uh, this is information that I think most of us out there relatively already know. I think most of us out there already know uh, how bad things are when it comes to China and Star Wars. But it is good to, to, to get that reaffirmed. Um, by by an actor who who clearly has a has a has a has a foothold there and understands the culture because then it kind of uh, you know uh, it, it might dissuade some people in the media that oftentimes like to argue that certain toxic fans don't go see these movies and therefore whatever we had and the reason why I bring this up the reason why I bring this up is because uh, when Black Panther came out. Back in February, there was a there was a story about how uh, in the Chinese markets uh, they were saying the movie was too black. There are reviews saying that the movie was too black, and they're giving it one star reviews. And in here in America, culture warriors took that and they were going like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! These Chinese people they they are racist, man. They are racist." And the truth of the matter is, it had everything to do with with uh, with essentially. Uh, the 3D projectors and the bulbs and the fact that the movie was too dark. Literally, when they said the movie's too black, they were referring to it being too dark of a bulb, not that the characters held within were too black. It's a movie called Black Panther. It's literally got 99.8% black people in it. This is not going to be something that I believe Chinese people are going to be like, oh... Oh, shit. But anyway, in a recent interview with Joe Blow, Yen was asked about the fate of the Star Wars franchise in China, which has fared on average very, very much worse than other major marketplaces. Now, he says, yeah, and that's unfortunate. 
Uh, Chinese audiences didn't grow up with Star Wars culture, so it didn't work. Marvel has a, is a lot easier to understand. Star Wars, however, there's a whole universe out there. Marvel, from the costumes to the music to the idols to the stars, is much easier to close the gap between the film and the audience, which is one of the reasons why these movies have just universal appeal across the board. One of the reasons why films like Avengers Infinity War will gross $2 billion pretty easily. One of the reasons why Black Panther will gross $1.3 billion. In fact, that movie just crossed over $700 million in the United States, making it the number three movie of all time to ever reach that type of that, that astronomically high number. So, yeah, Marvel characters, these kind of characters are easy to understand and they translate very, very, very well. Star Wars with the mythology and everything else, not so much. And at least Donnie Yen is opening up about that to, to a much broader audience to maybe help them understand why it's kind of a Western thing. Uh, it goes on to say here that the problem is a mixture of cultural cash and narrative and stylistic accessibility. Star Wars for the uninitiated is hard to understand. Why would I care about the Skywalker saga or the Jedi without the built-in cultural legacy of knowledge that the series success has brought it? It's an interesting challenge in the way that these films are made. As Star Wars is, well, pretty fundamentally serialized, relying on narrative connection and a certain level of functional space opera knowledge on that audience. Without that, does Star Wars work? My friends who never managed to get into the juggernaut would tell me no, no it doesn't. And the thing is, he's right. He's, he's absolutely right. This is the type of uh, the type of film that essentially, you know, it does. It runs on a very narrative structure. We go four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. You toss in a little bit of Rogue One, maybe maybe a dash of Solo, if that's your preference. And ultimately what we come up with is the situation where, yeah, people who didn't grow up with it aren't going to like it as much because they don't have that cultural connection. Now, another, th well, I, I, do, I don't want to cut him off of the interview because I think he goes into a bit more about why there might be problems. He says here, uh, it's also a matter of taste and regional style and Western filmmakers not taking an interest in what works in foreign markets, which can lead to some odd complications. He says, I mean, when you're talking about American films, you're essentially talking about Western filmmaking, how to make a film and what's good about a film, the structure, the finance, the distribution, the marketing. That's the gold standard. That's the Bible. And I'm still learning. Chinese filmmakers are still learning. But at the same time, we have an edge. We've been watching and studying these films, but vice versa. We don't think enough Western filmmakers have spent the time to really analyze the Asian market. That's why you'll notice a lot of American films don't work over here. And again, he's right. He's absolutely right on that one. What you've got is a situation where a whole bunch of movies have gone over there. About 16 American films, uh, big studio releases are allowed in China every single year. Only 16. You would assume it's more, but it's only 16, which is one of the reasons why you will see some of these big movies uh, very much tailored to that market. But it's never tailored to the market in terms of style and accessibility. It's always bringing in a pop culture icon or, you know, setting it in a Chinese location or filming somewhere in China that's going to be able to kind of bring in that audience. But I think audiences are ultimately smarter than that. So what I kind of what, what I think is going to happen here, if, if Kathleen Kennedy or, or whomever, whoever's running the show in a little bit of time, right, whoever, whoever is running the show here in a bit, uh, could, could go and actually go to China and learn about how Chinese films are made, study the culture, study what they do. Uh, and then go and 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 maybe copy a film after that, right? Base a base a, a Star Wars movie around what could be argued as uh, maybe Asian in in style and tone. We kind of had that a little bit in Rogue One with Chirrut, 
uh, you know, and those guys, the guardians of the wills and whatnot, the, you know, they were, they were meant to, and I don't want to use the term, but they were kind of meant to be the token characters that were meant to kind of bridge the gap into that marketplace. Uh, and I don't know how well it worked. I mean, here it is two years on and Donnie Yen's like, no, 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 let me tell you why Star Wars don't work in China. Um, but it's true. It really does boil down to the style of filmmaking and everything else. It's kind of like with the Boba Fett movie with James Mangold coming on to direct it. He can direct the Western, which is why everyone wants him to do an Obi-Wan movie. But that, again, would play to a specific type of sensibility. Who would be a good uh, director to tackle Asian culture? Who would be a good director to come on in and be able to give us a Star Wars movie that could be uh, very much uh, adopted by the Chinese marketplace, right? Now, the other side of that, too, and this is where this is where we're going to run into a bit of problems. I think one of the reasons why... Uh, we won't really see much of of China getting into Star Wars as time goes on. And this is what one thing. It's not just the cultural aspect of it. It's also censorship. The Chinese ratings board are extremely, extremely, uh, uh, really pushy when it comes to that stuff, right? So ultimately, it kind of boils down to this. Force ghosts. Force ghosts might actually get the films blocked there. They might. I don't know if The Last Jedi played there, but I don't know what was cut out of it. Right. It kind of it crashed and burned in China in uh, The Force Awakens. There were no force ghosts. However, inside of uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, Obi-Wan plays a decent sized part of that. He plays he plays a big part. I mean, ultimately, you could probably end up maybe removing him from from the cut that's going to go there. But that was one of the reasons why even Ghostbusters. Yeah. 2016's terrible reboot never made its way into uh, start into China because it had the ghosts and because they are very superstitious when it comes to their religion over there, the Chinese censors may not allow it. A case in point last year, for example, we had alien covenant, a movie that no one in America really liked. However, when it went to China, basically all of the shots of the xenomorph were cut out of it. Why was that? Because the Chinese censors were heavily pushing for it. The Chinese censors made sure that it was gone and it was this incomprehensible mess of a film. But even before I went to China, it was an incomparable mess of a film. But this time around, you can see how bad it got. So that's ultimately what it boils down to. And it's interesting when you really kind of break it down and you, and you look at what it is uh, that goes on over there in China. And maybe this is one of the reasons why Star Wars is having issues. So this should be a learning moment, a teaching moment, and one ultimately that Kathleen Kennedy and the people, the creatives over at Lucasfilm look at as like, how do we tap into that market? Disney's going to try to get the movie out there. Disney wants that large worldwide audience. Uh, and that's a marketplace that unless they tap properly, is this going to end up discontinuously crashing and burning? So who knows? Maybe we'll get something that does appeal to that sensibility, to that filmmaking style, and still can speak to the larger audience on a whole. I mean, imagine Crouching Tiger, Hidden Jedi. Yeah, I'd be yeah, I'd be down with that. I would actually 100% be down with that because honestly, it's still going to be better than what we got back in December. And uh, speaking of, uh, of, of of what we got back in December, oh man, this movie is up for uh, uh, for for some suffering. Now, this this article popped up over here on the on the goldderby.com, whatever the hell that is, right? But it's it's again trying to poke a little bit at. The fact that people out there are critical of Star Wars. So it says, will Star Wars The Last Jedi overcome its haters by winning the Teen Choice? Now, if you know anything about MTV, you know anything about the, the Teen Choice Awards, your vote means nothing. Your vote means very little. Uh, it's a corporate show. It, that's all it is. Uh, I went to the MTV Movie Awards a couple, uh, I think uh, 10 years ago, uh, last month. And uh, it was a lot of fun, but yeah, it's so corporate. It, it, that's all it is. So so if, if The Last Jedi wins at the Teen Choice Awards, 
is that going to do anything to solve where things have been? Is it going to fix the fandom? Of course not. Of course not. But if leave it to someone here like Daniel Montgomery to argue that it would. Uh, so it goes on here to say here that Star Wars The Last Jedi was one of the most critically acclaimed films of 2017, but you wouldn't necessarily know that from the backlash from some vocal fans, some of it reminiscent of the anti-progressive movement against the all-female Ghostbusters. All right, so I got to kind of I got to chime in on that one here. The anti-progressive movement. No one gave a crap that there were women in the movie. I I, I would go as far as to say that anyone watching this, anyone in the chat right now, the live chat, would probably argue that there nothing about Ghostbusters 2016 had anything to do with the four female leads. It had everything to do with a terrible story, terrible direction, terrible everything, terrible final act, a what the hell dance sequence, and literally relying on nostalgia for no other purpose than pulling it out of its ass and cramming it down our throats. The movie was bad, had nothing to do with being anti-progressive, had nothing to do with anything other than just it was a bad, bad, bad movie. But see, this is how they co-opt it. That this is how the author of this piece co-opts it. This guy is going like, "Well, we, well, we know. Well, we, well, you know, the movie wasn't very good. So, uh, so we got to say that they didn't like it. They, was just the, 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 the MRAs ran it out of town as, as if there are that many of them. People just didn't care. And the people who don't like the Last Jedi actually do care. There's a difference. There's, there's a huge difference there. Now, it says your co-star Kelly Marie Tran, who is of Vietnamese descent, was driven off social media after months of harassment. But the blockbuster could get its revenge by winning the Choice Fantasy Movie at the, at the fan-voted fan Teen Choice Awards. Okay. So, <laughs> for one, uh, yeah, it sucks Kelly Marie Tran left, left social media. I think everyone out there agrees on that one. Uh, two, uh, winning Choice Fantasy Movie isn't necessarily going to end up solving or changing anything so that i think that's kind of a this is this is a reach all right it's 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 definitely a reach same way as me saying that solo if it gets 50 million in home video sales is a reach to make it profitable i'm gonna hold on to that one though because that is a that that seems like at least a legitimate goal right that's a legitimate goal to have at this point in time not, <laughs> not just trying to chalk it up to this anyway now, since here, The Last Jedi is the front runner to win, according to Gold Derby users, who give it a leading odds of two or three. It has nine nominations overall, including three bid for uh, Choice Fantasy Movie Actor John Boyega, Mark Hamill, and Oscar Isaac, two for Choice Fantasy Female Actress Carrie Fisher and Daisy Riddler, and uh, Daisy Ridley, and Choice for Breakout Star with Tran, whom fans may especially want to support after the abuse she received online. Oh my God! Could you just could you just like hammer it in any any further? man can you just can you just keep on like just punching at that dead horse uh it just oh you just you can't stop you, you can't stop now it goes on but the last two star wars films lost top price to marvel movies the 2015 revival the force awakens lost choice sci-fi fantasy movie to captain america civil war while the standalone prequel rogue one a star wars story lost choice sci-fi movie to guardians of the galaxy volume 2 uh both of those were far better films and I love Force Awakens and Rogue One, but Civil War and Guardians 2 were top tier. I'm just saying, I'm a Star Wars fan. This is a Star Wars podcast, and I'm telling you, those Marvel movies were definitely better. Now, 
Uh, the good news is for The Last Jedi is that the categories are slightly different this time around. When it competes uh, in the fantasy category, while this year's Marvel contenders, Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, and Avengers Infinity War, are in the running as sci-fi or action movies. But this still shows that the Star Wars franchise isn't a guarantee with teens even under the best of circumstances. Uh, however, if fanboys mad about diversity want to vote against the Jedi in order to own the libs, oh Jesus, uh, they're not going to like the other options either. And you have like Coco and A Wrinkle in Time and Liquid. No, no one gives a crap about any of that shit. No, no one gives a crap about any of that crap. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's the here's the here's the the big old big old deal on all this, right? What you've got here is you've got this person writing this article, arguing that uh, uh, arguing that people are like it has a better shot of winning because it's moved categories so instead of being choice like you know uh sci-fi or uh choice fantasy or you know now it's choice fantasy not choice sci-fi so they so it almost feels like mtv moved the last jedi to a wholly different category in order to pad the deck against it right in order to 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 pad uh the uh the the deck for the last jedi to win never mind that pretty much every one of its main cast has gotten some kind of awards nom uh it's gonna take home a lot now i'm not gonna sit there and say that uh that this was definitely feels like some kind of kickback sort of thing i'm not gonna sit there and make the accusation that it kind of comes across as if someone's greasing some palms down the you know a little over there by comp but i mean at the same time mtv is mtv Right. MTV just wants to give you the biggest splash to get the most people in to watch it. And that's really all it boils down to. Uh, ultimately, they're they're not going to. Uh, I don't think I don't think The Last Jedi is going to win as many as they feel. I, I just don't. The Force Awakens didn't even win. Rogue One didn't win. Right. What's the I mean, you know, Kelly Marie Tran could win best new actor, you know, for playing playing crying Rose Tico. She could she could get that. Which would be fine with me, you know, I guess. I, I I mean, ultimately, ultimately, when it comes to the Teen Choice Awards, I don't care. I'm in my mid-30s. I'm well out of my teen years, okay? So I'm well out of my teen years on this case. But I, I, I don't like the idea of stacking the deck in an unfavorable way. And that's kind of what this particular uh, scenario uh, uh, ar argues, right? It kind of argues here. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, not really, uh, not really digging it. So let's talk about the revenge of the incels. Do you guys know about this one at all? You guys heard about this one? This is the thing. This popped up the other day. Uh, it's a 15 minute, 23 second short film uh, that basically mimics Ryan Johnson's Brick. It's a parody of Brick. And obviously based upon the title, you can tell that they're making fun of Star Wars, The Last Jedi Critics. It, it goes about as well as can be expected. Now I watched it. It's it's relatively harmless. They don't sit there and make any direct attack against anybody specifically. Uh, you bring up the movie here. You just kind of you know look at it. It looks you know this is Ryan Johnson in the uh, uh, in the 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 vein of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he is sitting there looking at the body of Kelly Marie Tran uh, as she's you know very much dead on a uh, outside of a water. Uh, you know for some reason she quit social media and she died, and that's where he's at. And he ends up going to school or, or yeah, you get this here, here where the, uh, people drop a, a lightsaber and they say, we're going to we're going to remake The Last Jedi because uh, it sucked. But we're going to do it without Rose, um, you know. OK, oh, so they're going to they're going to go and remake the movie without without Rose Tico. 
you know, and then he goes through the process of uh, sitting here talking with small JJ Abrams. Uh, and he meets, you know, this apparently right here is uh, this, this, this is uh, these people here. All right. That's apparently the girl in the black jacket here. This is supposed to be Daisy Ridley. However, that's not even remotely discussed. Uh, you know, he goes and he meets with uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who uh, in, 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 in very odd sense, she fires this guy with the glasses right here. She just goes, she looks at him she's like, you're fired. Uh, she's a high schooler. And this quite literally looks like the like the like the teacher who let them use the uh the stage uh you know getting kind of and uh, getting kind of cucked on screen uh you know and he goes through the whole thing where uh you know he's talking with kelly marie tran this is before she goes missing and you know trying to figure out what happened to her and then of course he ends up coming over here and, and meeting the bad guys who are remaking the movie and of course they get into it with each other because they can't decide over who to who to shit on more in this film right you know the dude in the black here wants to get rid of canto bite but he wants to leave in captain phasma a homeboy here in the white just doesn't like her at all and he's clearly 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 the raging mra or the raging incel and the whole thing is stupid it's it's again a harmless but but stupid and not and this is the the worst the, the worst okay when i say harmless i mean like they they had obviously the parody in mind they're trying to do they're trying to write this thing they shot it they edited it you know and i'm and i'm giving them credit in that particular regard i am i'm giving them credit there um simply because okay fine it's kind of cute kind of cute harmless but whatever then it gets to the end and this makes no damn sense cuz you you got broom boy Okay. And you got broom boy and he's, he's out there, you know, uh, sweeping, he's at a karate dojo. Uh, and then this girl comes over to him and she, she sends him off away. And then she looks up at this guy and it's this girl right here. And then she just looks at the camera and she says, I'm a girl and I'm a Muslim. And then it cuts to credits. Like what? Like what? 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 What does any of that mean? Like, what does it mean? I'm watching it and I just kind of stopped dead in my tracks and I'm like, what does it even mean? Right? Like double rainbow. Well, I don't get it. Not I me. Mean, I ultimately get it. I get what they're trying to do here. They're trying to, you know, talk about the diversity aspect of Star Wars. They're trying to talk about the, you know, parody, the, the, the backlash Kelly Marie Tran got, even though the only person to come out and take any kind of responsibility for it was that down with Disney and the fandom thing, whatever the hell it is. Uh, ultimately though, I mean, as a person who does, who, who's on social media all the time, uh, I can understand what people want to walk away from it. I get that. But why they cut to a girl who just says, I'm a girl and I'm Muslim. It's like, is that a message drop? Is she just like dropping the mic at the end there? But for what purpose? Right. I mean, wouldn't that be better served for like a fan film about maybe a backlash to like a, a, uh, was it a Miss Marvel character movie or something? I got no idea. It just made no sense to me. And ultimately kind of delineated and ruined the message. Because if the message is to make fun of people who are trying to go out there and criticize The Last Jedi and and the incel, so to speak, which again is such a misnomer when it comes to people who are critical of the film, to put in an attack like that at the end, or not even an attack like that, but put in a thing like that at the end, it just kind of, it says that you're just shoehorning a political message. Which, let's be fair, that's all Canto Bite was, right? That's all it really was. It was again, as I'd like to point out, Canto Bite was a was a was a twenty minute long PETA ad for uh, floppy eared dog horses. Uh, it was a it was an anti war ad uh, talking about the profiteering on, on both sides, businessmen who profiteer off both sides. Which actually, to be fair, that was a legitimately interesting plot thread that could have been explored further and it had been given more time. But instead, we have this breakout sequence. Uh, casino destruction sequence that costs who knows how many millions of dollars for Disney. 
uh, still at the end to basically have Rose Tico look at the camera and just go, message, right? Just kind of dumb. But again, as I like to point out, they overlooked the whole child slavery thing. How come that wasn't mentioned in this particular film? directors uh but that being said ryan johnson has seen it and he he liked it quite a bit as i'm sure he would and and you know again as far as fan films and parodies go it is fine you know it's it's relatively harmless just that thing at the end there makes you kind of stop and go what the, what the hell and you spend more time probably thinking about that than what exactly the movie itself was trying to say but even though in the realm of, of fan related content a fan related things this one is actually legitimately cool and i do believe worth your time now over at uh over at uh, uh comic-con what we had here was uh was a thing going on for a mock court trial uh for poe dameron right you have it here so it's a, the last jedi fans put on a mock court marshal for poe dameron and it says that uh one of the hottest debates about the plot of star wars the last jedi is a question of hotshot and subordinate pilot poe dameron did poe do anything wrong it is the beautiful hotshot pilot guilty of doing material harm to the cause of the resistance or did what he do uh, or did he do what any reasonable hero would have done in the situation? A group of amazing fans have decided to put the debate to rest at the San Diego Comic-Con uh, 2018. The legal geeks in collaboration with the uh, Rebel Legion Sunrider base answered the questions of Poe Dameron the way that a question would be answered in any orderly military with a court martial featuring a full mock trial complete with cosplaying actors as Poe, Leia and other resistance officers. The two groups came together to celebrate the law and get to the bottom of this Poe thing once and for all. And now finally, legal geeks has posted the entire full panel um, performance online and I, I watched about half of it uh in preparation for the episode i was not able to finish unfortunately but it was actually it's actually really it's actually really solid it's actually surprisingly solid uh for for what they were able to do with it it was a uh, it was a fun listen because they, they they lay out the case they lay out the case for everything that poe did in regards to uh to the opening of the movie taking out the dreadnought uh they talk about the the, the, the loss of life they talk about the loss of the loss of uh, their their army they talk about the brash actions they talk about mutiny they talk about a lot of things and there's actually a lot of love and care that went into this and so i'm watching it i'm like this is already better than like you know a lot with the last jedi because these people whether or not you know like we can disagree about some things on the movie obviously uh this had a lot of love and a lot of care and it'd be it's funny to watch uh, it's it's funny to watch them kind of break it down. The actress who played Leia did a pretty good job. The guy who did Poe did a pretty good job. Uh, and once we're done recording this, I'm definitely going to go back and, and finish watching it. So the links for this will be in the video description. But I do recommend checking it out because ultimately, uh, that's cool, man. That's, that's cool that people took the time to answer this question. And it didn't boil down to a fight or to an argument. They treated it as straightforward as humanly possible, which adds to the whole LARPing experience. So while it's not the most in-depth thing you'll ever see, and obviously it's done from a Comic-Con you know, panel, the people took time and care to try to make it as good and as entertaining as they could with a couple good laughs, a couple good jokes, and, and, and a really compelling argument for what would maybe happen once this whole thing was said and done, and then they they court-martialed Poe Dameron for, ev or Dameron, whatever the hell his name is, for literally everything that he did wrong in The Last Jedi. Because I think if anyone out there is probably the villain of the movie, it's probably him, because he just simply keeps screwing up. Uh, and so I, I recommend it. I recommend checking it out, because it's, it's, it's actually... Uh, pretty solid. So finally today, guys, we're going to talk about uh, this 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 particular article here that uh, is all about Han Solo. 
Okay, because who doesn't love some Han? Everyone loves some Han, right? In fact, everyone loves Han so much that Empire Magazine or Empire Online says uh, that Han Solo voted greatest Star Wars character by Empire readers. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? I mean, like, it's it's Han Solo. Everyone, everyone loves Han Solo. Uh, but it goes on to say here that a few months ago, Empire recorded a plea for you to vote on the greatest Star Wars character of all time. A message that we stashed in an R2 unit blasts out the space, hoping it would find its way into the right hands. You intercepted the transmission and answered our call in droves, definitively deciding upon the greatest heroes and villains of the galaxy far, far away. Uh, so it says the Star Wars saga is packed with all sorts of uh, dashing uh, do-gooders and bold baddies. But it's only fitting that the character who soared and smuggled his way to the number one spot as is a galaxy's greatest rogue, Han Solo, from Harrison Ford's iconic performances in the original trilogy to his glorious return and heart-wrenching demise in The Force Awakens to Alden Eichenreich's youthful reinvention in Solo Star Wars story, <laughs> the swaggering space cowboy received more votes than anyone else from George Lucas, uh, from Lucas's sci-fi universe. You love him, and he knows. And the thing is, I think ultimately it would be Han. Leia, uh, it'd be Luke or Leia second or third. It'd be, a, I think it'd be tight, tight. I think it depends on the person. For me, it'd be Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, R2, Vader, C3PO. <laughs> Somewhere in there is Wedge Antilles. God damn it. But the thing about this article that I find to be the funniest thing on the planet, though, is because they announced that this won't be coming out for for a while. It won't be coming out until the September issue, which is the, obviously this month. But here's the thing. It says here that the top full 50 list will be revealed in Empire's upcoming issue. Uh, but it's fair to say that a, 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 a lot of people already voted for uh, for 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 Han. So they're, they're, so they're telling you right off the bat, who's number one? Who's number one, everybody? It's Han Solo. It's Han Solo, everyone. Come out and play. Come on in. And let's definitely go out there and, and have ourselves a, a good time talking about Han. Because we already know he's number one. So fuck everybody else. I just find that to be very weird, very funny, and, uh, well, very Empire Online that's trying to get you in the door to buy the issue to find out who's number 49 to number, or 50 to number two, because, you know, you, you, you give a shit. All right, guys, that wraps up the first episode of Dueling Sabers. My name is Matt Jarbo. Uh, thank you guys very much for, for, for listening and be sure to comment. Check back next Sunday for another episode. Uh, if you have submissions, mondaymatt.com forward slash submit is a great way to send me articles or on Twitter or everywhere else. I'll talk to you guys later. Have yourself a great day and may the force be with you.